Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We'll read this scripture and then I'm going to let Sister Michelle go. Appreciate so much the worship team bringing us into the Holy of Holies today. Amen. Being able to receive what God is wanting to say to us today. This is a very familiar scripture. I've preached on this several times before. But as I said, Monday night, God led me back to this scripture. Led me back to preach on this message. I'm just simply calling it today the touch. Luke chapter 8. Look at verse number 40. So it was when Jesus returned that a multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. I want you to hold on to that scripture right there. Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting. This morning I'm waiting for his touch. This morning I'm waiting to see what else he's going to do. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having the flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately... Her flow of blood stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and she declared to him in the presence of all the people that the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. One translation says, Your faith has made you whole. I like that translation. Your faith has made you whole. Father, I want to thank you for being here today. I, boy, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. And I pray for these next few moments, what I have to say will be a help to somebody. But ultimately, God, I pray that you will come and you will do some healing and a touch in our lives today that I really believe that you want to do. Now touch your people, open our hearts, open our ears, let us receive what you want to give us today, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Sister Michelle. Hallelujah. The Bible tells many stories about people who suffered. It doesn't take you long, you can go look in the scriptures and you can find many, many people who are suffering in the scripture. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is the story of Job and how Job, of his pain and heartache and how for a period of his life he suffered as well. In addition to the sufferings of Job, there are many hardships that different people like Joseph and Jeremiah and so many others had in the scriptures. Down through the ages, we know of people that we read about and we can read in our history books. People like Florence Nightingale who reorganized England's hospitals while she was too ill to get up from her own bed. 
People like Beethoven that was deaf and depressed and when he wrote some of the greatest works and on and on we could go with, with listing some of, the, some of the men and women of history. Some of the greatest people of all ages have attained their greatness through suffering. But really, who likes to suffer? Who likes to suffer? In our text today, we read about a woman who suffered greatly. And it's really hard to imagine what she endured until you understand really what she faced in everyday life. I mean, we read the story there in Luke chapter 8, but there's really one verse that, that says this woman suffered for 12 years and she just wanted to touch the hem of his garment and really it, it hits it quick and it leaves it alone, but we really never really understand everything that this lady really had to go through. I don't want to deal with a little bit about that this morning. The Bible tells us that for 12 years, for 12 years this woman had suffered from an issue of blood. Women that's in the house, you, you'll have an understanding of what this lady endured. Women of childbearing go through a menstrual cycle which the womb builds up a lining filled with blood to nourish a child that, that might be conceived. And, and if the woman does not conceive, then the blood passes through her body. In Scripture, this is called an issue of blood. It was a difficult time for a woman. It's uncomfortable. It's an embarrassing time for a lady. It can often cause a woman to be extremely tired. And because of a loss of blood from her body, she also experiences the loss of iron from the body as well. And of course, uh, you know, they're, they're, during that time, many, many women can be, become moody during that time. And I'm not, I'm not being lighthearted about this. This is a serious thing that I want you to understand. I want to lay a foundation for you to understand what this lady is going through. It can be a very hard time. But imagine this lady having an issue of blood every day of your life for 12 years. For 12 years. That's 4,380 days. That's 144 months. That's 624 weeks. That's 105,190 hours every day an issue of blood that this woman had to go through. For most women, the loss of blood is an uncomfortable inconvenience that they endure. But the woman in our story is far more than uncomfortable. It's, she, she's far more than inconvenient. She's far more than moody. She's far more than even being tired. You see, because in the days of the Old Testament, a woman who had an issue of blood was considered unclean. That was considered unclean. And anything that she touched during that time was unclean as well. In other words, she wasn't allowed to be touched or to be touched by her children, be touched by her husband, or for her to touch her children or husband as well. She was not allowed to be intimate with her family during that time. If her husband even touched her during this uncleanless time, he himself would become unclean and unacceptable before God. Unable to offer sacrifices or enter the temple area. This lady was not able to do so. Some scholars believe that this requirement by God was meant to protect the woman during the time of her period from her husband forcing himself upon her because of her female organs would be the most vulnerable to damage at this point. Don't misunderstand me this morning. She was not allowed to be touched or to become intimate. But even more than that, she was not even allowed to enter the temple nor get near the synagogue or the temple. Effective 
effectively. For 12 years, this woman was cut off from even God. She was cut off from getting to God. For 12 years, she was considered unclean and could not be touched by a clean person. She could not go to the assemblies. She could not go to the synagogues. She could not go to all the ceremonies. It had been 12 years since she had enjoyed Passover. It had been 12 years since she would enjoyed a Sabbath day. It had been 12 years since she had been able to stand before the high priest and have her sins forgiven on Yom Kippur. For 12 years, she bore the emotional and the psychological scars and baggage of being unclean and untouchable. There was no hugs. There was no kisses. There was no type of intimacy with her husband, even if she had one. She could not prepare her family's food if she had them. She could not do housework. She could not not be a wife. She could not be a mommy. She had to sit in an isolated house for 12 years staring at the walls. And for all intents and all purposes, this lady was dead. She was dead. She was dead. Everywhere she went, she had to holler, unclean, unclean. Everywhere that she went to get water at the well, wherever she had to wait till everybody else was gone. She had to wait where nobody else was around. Unclean, unclean. For 12 years, this lady had to do this. And so you can understand she was a desperate woman. She's tried everything that she could think of to deal with her heartache. The Bible tells us that she spent everything that she had on all physicians, but to no avail. She has spent and used everything, but could not get relief. The Talmud even, which is a record of the Jewish and oral tradition, tells us that there are 11 different medical treatments for that issue of blood. And they're weird, they're weird. And I've already given you this earlier when I preached about this subject. But some of these are like this. She's supposed to sit in a place where two ways meet. Let her hold a cup of wine in her right hand and let someone come behind her and frighten her and say to her, arise from thy flux, and that's supposed to heal her. Weird stuff. And I can go on and on and on, but I'm not going to bore you with all of that this morning. Common remedies that they thought that was supposed to be taken care of. The Bible doesn't tell us much about this lady, though. But I've got a picture of her in my mind. I can visualize this lady in my mind as a, as a decent woman. I can visualize a woman of kindness. I can visualize a woman of gentleness. I sense that she would have, have spent a great deal of time in prayer and pleading to God for healing. If she didn't start out poor, she is now. After spending, the Bible says, all of her money on doctors. By now, she's depressed. By now, she's desolate. By now she's desperate. She's resigned to living the rest of her days with this terrible affliction. But all of a sudden, Sister Lawson, she hears about a man named Jesus that's coming her way. All of a sudden, she hears about a man that's, that's done miracles over here in this town. I heard about a man that's touched the blind eyes and the blind eyes come open. I heard about a man that has raised the dead and she thought, Brother Reigns, it just might be if I can get to where that man is if I can get to where Jesus is, if I can get to where he is passing by, and if I can just touch him, oh, hallelujah, then I'll be healed. If I can just get there, then I will be healed. Desperate situation. She rushes to the center of town, hoping she'd catch up to him. But then she stops short. When she sees Jesus, he's surrounded by this multitude of people. And as they make their way from her and toward the center of town, 
This throng of people around Jesus is bad enough in order, in order to get close to him. She'd, she'd, have to, she'd have to touch somebody. Think about it. In order to get close to him, she'd have to weasel her way in through the crowd and be touched and touched that she wasn't allowed to do. Desperate situations. She wasn't allowed to do, but, but that's what in her mind, that's just what I'm going to have to do. But at this point in her life, 12 years is enough. How long is enough for you? How long is enough for you to spend in your situation? How long is enough for you to keep going down the same road and getting the same result? How long before you wake up and realize, I've got to get to him? Hallelujah. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. At this point, she's beyond caring about that. She's lived long enough. She's made up her mind. And since this may be the only chance that she's got to be cleansed, the only chance that she's got to be healed, if only I can just get to him. But she makes her way over, and all of a sudden she overhears people talking about Jesus. And he's on a mission. And she overhears them talking about him going to Jairus' house. Because Jairus' daughter is near death and Jesus is making his way to, to his home to deal with the illness. And in dismay, she realizes that Jairus is the ruler of the synagogue. This guy, he's, a, he's an important guy. He's a guy of great importance. He's somebody. She's not. She's a nobody. He's somebody. She'll never get to Jesus now she'll she'll never get his attention now but understand 12 years is a long time in her mind she's desperate for healing she's desperate for a cleansing she she must get to jesus and in a moment of inspiration it occurs to her this man this jesus is a great healer and maybe maybe if i could just get to him maybe if i could just touch him maybe i could just quietly make my way through the crowd and and and, and not not bother anybody maybe i could just touch the hem of his garment you see in those days many of the jews and many of the rabbis wore cloaks with tassels that had four corners on those tassels and those tassels had a had a blue wool in court and, and it reminded them of God's law and their duty to keep the law in Jewish tradition. And many people had, a, had an almost superstitious belief that these tassels are sacred objects and it's the only thing that seems to explain the fact that, that she just wanted to get to the hem of his garment. She didn't have to look at him face to face. She didn't have to hold hands with him. She just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. He could be walking away but, but all of a sudden if he just walks away Brother Larry, if I could just get down there. Woo! Well, this ain't in my notes, but let me stop here long enough and say so many times we want to get in the place of prominence when Jesus is around. Look at me, Lord. Look what I've done. She didn't care about any of that. She said, if I could just, if I could just weasel my way through the crowd and nobody will notice me, and if I could just get out enough to touch the hem of his garment, I'll, I'll back out of the way because I think, <laughs> I just believe I just got enough of faith to understand if I could just get the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. And so she slowly, she methodically gets and weasels her way through the crowd. Nobody seems to pay her no attention. At least the scripture doesn't say anything about that. Maybe, maybe she had a shawl on and she pulled her, her shawl down over her face to avoid being recognized as, as this unclean woman because you know people had to know her in that area. 
I mean, she lived there over 12 years. People had to know her, so she may have pulled the shawl down over her face. And some people maybe are even annoyed by being pushed aside by this woman in the crowd. And at last, she's close enough. She hears Jesus and Jairus is talking and, and quickly she kneels down and she brushes her hand against the tassel and immediately, hallelujah, the Bible says she feels this change in her body. Immediately she feels like a tingling sensation. Immediately she feels a warmth that she ain't felt in a long time just come over her body and she knows beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And she just moves away, backs up before anybody recognizes and condemns her for having touched him and making them unclean. She, she, can't, she can't be discovered, and all of a sudden, up to her horror, Jesus stopped. And he said, who touched me? Who touched me? It's a powerful statement there. Who touched me? Everyone is thinking, Jesus, what are you talking about? I mean, the multitude is around you. People on every side is, is bumping up inside of you. What do you mean? Who touched you? Jesus says, I know somebody different than, than the normal folk has just touched me because I perceive that power has gone out of my body. I perceive that somebody has been touched. Somebody has been blessed. Even Peter responds, Lord, everybody is pressing around, but she knows. She's her, She's listening. She knows what he means. She knows that he's talking to her. She knows that there's no way she's going to escape this. And in fear and trembling, the Bible says she, she comes and she falls down before him and she explains everything going on. Maybe she's afraid that she'll be punished and maybe even her fears that the healing she's received will be taken away. We don't know, but we do know that she pleads her case with the Lord. She explained everything to him. She explained what drove her to touch him with unclean hands. And then almost cautiously, she smiles as she tells of how she has been healed. Get this picture in your mind. You can see Jesus. I can see Jesus reach down, pull her up to her feet and says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Now, there's something very significant about that statement that your faith has made you whole. I won't, I won't go into that. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that's a very familiar scripture, very familiar story. But what is, it, what is it about us today? What do we need to learn from this? See, some people have read this passage and come to a false conclusion that, that doctors are a bad idea. You're not supposed to go to the doctor. I'm not talking about that this morning. We know that, that that's wrong. Matter of fact, a little story about that years ago in northern England. There was, a, there was a, this charismatic teacher by the name of Holbert Freeman. And he taught his people that if they had enough faith, they didn't even need to go to the doctors. If they would even use this, they would even use this passage and say, look at this woman who spent all of their money on doctors and they didn't do her any good. And he convinced many of them to give up all of their medicines. And the history says that before his ministry was done, that over 90 people died Many of them were children, and one of them was, was, uh, was, was even friends of this, of this guy that told this story. He said, he said even Freeman himself died of pneumonia and heart failure complicated by an ulcerated leg. His false faith healing doctrines did him no good. So let me tell you this morning, there is nothing wrong with you going to a doctor. Is that all right? Nothing wrong with you going to the doctor and still have faith. You're not lacking any faith by doing that. Scripture never condemns that, that sort of thing. And only a fool or a heretic would say that in our present-day medicines in hospitals and doctors and nurses don't have any healing symptoms or healing things for our problems today. 
Matter of fact, if you go do a study, most doctors will tell you that as advanced as our medicine is today, that their practice is more than an art than a science, that the body is a complicated creation. Even our most advanced medicines can have uncomfortable and unforeseen consequences. I mean, you take one medicine to stop this, and you create something else. You take another medicine to stop this, and you create, right? Am I right? Over and over, that's the same way. It's more of an art than it is science. No doctor or no nurse in their right mind, they want their patient to be healed. They want their patient they want good. And according to one recent survey, that 74% of the U.S. doctors believe that divine miracles of healing have occurred. And 73% believe that they can still occur today. I believe that. Amen. I believe that miracles take place today. But I think there's a couple of things that's even more of a deeper lesson for you and I to learn today. The first thing is this. I believe this woman's suffering profoundly changed her say pastor duh y'all you ain't listen to me i believe her suffering profoundly changed who this woman was it profoundly affected her it profoundly caused her sister marion to do something that she never thought she would have done before i'm not going out and touch anybody i'm unclean the law even dictate i'm not supposed to do that but this suffering that she was, she, she went beyond the normal thing. She went beyond the normal lifestyle that her and her, and her other friends or whoever it may have been in that community was accustomed to. She went beyond those things. Matter of fact, there's a story about a man by the name of Terry Anderson. Many of you remember this guy who was held by Lebanese rebels for several years. And all of that time, in all of that time, he lived in isolation, never able to see his wife, never, never able to see his children, being constantly threatened, being constantly deprived of some of the most basic needs of his life. And this is what Mr. Anderson said. He said, we come closest to God at our lowest moments. It's easiest to hear God when you are uh, stripped of pride and arrogance, when you have nothing to rely on except on God. It's pretty painful to get to that point. But when you do, he said, God's there. Have you ever found that to be true? Oh, yeah. God's there. Suffering had profoundly affected this woman. It had profound effect on the woman that Jesus healed. And suffering can have a profound effect on you and I today. It can change us. It can strip away all the dross of life and cause us to realize what's really, really important in our lives. And if you and I can draw to a closer, more personal walk with, with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we can begin to see those things. During this 21-day fast, many of you have experienced this before. When you get in this 21-day fast and you really begin to pray and fast with the Lord, your sensitivity sort of awakens a little bit. Your ears are a little more in tune with what the voice of Almighty God is saying. It, it is. Your body, I mean, everything about you, your, your senses is all trying to understand, God, what are you trying to tell me? And, and, and He's constantly speaking to you during this moment, during this time. The second thing we need to learn is that Jesus gave this woman exactly what she needed. Listen. See, Jesus already had healed the woman. And we know she needed that, but that's not really what she needed. He already healed the woman. He had been on his way to heal this little girl who was dying. He was walking along with this, this prominent religious leader, and she was just a common woman that nobody wanted to be around. Why stop now? Why make a spectacle when there is so many other important things to do? Think about it. 
Jesus could have done anything at that point. Jesus could have said anything at that point. But he wanted to. But he chose to turn the spotlight on this woman who was a nobody who wanted nothing more than just to slip away from the crowd and get to her home and enjoy the rest of her life. But Jesus turned the spotlight. She didn't want any attention. She didn't want to make a public speech. She just wants to get out of there. She just wants to go home. Get on with her life. But Jesus obviously had something else in mind. So he had already healed of her physical problem, but that really wasn't what drove her to press her way through the crowd and touch him. Think about it. Something other than her physical condition was, it was, it was driving her, had pushed her to the edge and drug her to his feet, and it was basically her uncleanness. Her uncleanness. The blood, she could have lived with that. She'd been living with that for 12 years. But being isolated from everybody, being isolated from everything, being isolated even from God himself. I can't go to church. I can't, I can't go to the temple. I, I can't have my sin cleansed. I can't, I've been living this way for too long. The uncleanness. When Jesus stopped and publicly exposed her healing, he gave her what she needed most. Everybody knows then that she had been healed. Hallelujah. They didn't need to hear it secondhand. They didn't need to buy a newspaper and read it. They didn't need to turn the radio on and listen to it. They knew that she was healed. They knew it was safe for somebody to touch her and for her to touch somebody at that point. The value, listen church, the value of coming to Jesus is that he changes us on the inside. He takes the damaged lives and makes them into his image. He heals us in a way and makes others understand and know we're healed. We're set free. But the question still remains. God, why do you choose to heal some and not others? Have you ever asked that before? Why do you choose to heal some and not others. Was his blood enough for all sin? We preach that it is. But was it? Were the stripes that he bore upon his back for just certain illnesses on certain times or for every disease? We preach it's every disease. But was it? So he already decided to heal. He's decided to heal. The stripes, the Bible said, was put his back for a healing. You can't decide to, buy, to not buy something after you've already bought it many times. Men and women of the Bible could easily have asked that same question. Many of them did again and again. And here's just a small sampling of the inconsistencies that we look at in the history of God dealing with people. Many of you know about this, but in, in history, when the evil King Ahab and Queen Jezebel reigned in Israel. Elijah was spared, but many of the other prophets of that day was put to death. Why? They were doing a good work. Why was Elijah spared? Daniel was delivered from the lion's den, but the apostle Paul, who, who I feel like is the greatest missionary that ever lived, he spent many years in jail, many years in chains, and then he was beheaded. Peter was miraculously set free from prison in answer to the church's prayer, but James, the brother of John, was executed by the sword. When Herod's henchmen came hunting the newborn king of the Jews, the infant Jesus escaped to, to Egypt while all of the other innocent children of that day was put to death. You remember? Was put to death. And that's just the beginning. 
That's just the beginning. Down, down through the ages, there have been some saints who by faith, the Bible said, have, 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 have quenched the violence of fire, fire, have escaped the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the, uh, uh, of the enemy, while others had trials, they said, of mockings and scourgings, chains and imprisonment, and were stoned and sawn in two, tempted and slain by the sword. And we could go on and on. And in the fairness and the justice of all of this, the plain answer is this. There is none. You can't give any. I can't explain those things. And you can't explain those things. Job found out the hard way that there could be no question of fair and equal treatment when sinners stand in the presence of a holy God. He said there could be nothing but a miracle and the mystery of grace from beginning to end. And he told us in Job 42, he said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. I have uttered what I did not understand and things too wonderful for me which I did not know, Job said. The real question is this, why the real question is not why does the Lord heal some and not others. Is It's this. Why is, why is anyone ever healed at all? Why is everyone healed at all? It's a hard saying. But the only one, only one way to live with it, and it can be summed up in a single word, and that's our trust in God. We rely on the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. There is no other answer. We rely on the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. We've got to believe in the goodness of His sovereign Lord and believe that even when things seem to be swirling out of control, He is there in the midst of the storm. He's working out the unique purposes in our life for every one of us. For some, that'll mean a physical healing, deliverance and victory. For others, it'll involve an opportunity to share, the Bible says, in the sufferings of Christ that we read about in Romans and Corinthians and 1 Peter. We count it all joy when we do those things. Pastor, you're, you, you had a good message, but now you're bumming me out. I'm giving us the truth, though. But just because of those things and just because I don't understand, Brother Roger, doesn't mean I, don't have, to keep, I, I, I have to stop asking. I keep praying and I keep believing and I keep asking God for healing. I still believe God heals. I still believe the stripes that he took upon his back was for every affliction that we have. I don't care if you stump your toe even to a runny nose. He cares about you. Hallelujah. He cares about your headache. He cares about the stuff that you're going through. He cares about the fragmentation of your family. He cares about the, the problems and the heartaches and the trials of your life. He cares and he understands and he wants to help you. We've got to trust in him and believe in him. We've got to believe in him. And it may be, it may be, it may be today that you're that you're here suffering, and you're it may be it may be today that you're here sick right now. Not only a physical, but a, but a emotional and mind and all these kind of things. Listen to me. Get your mind off of the stuff that you're dealing with and put your mind on Christ right now. Get your mind off of your problem and put it on victory today. Begin to see yourself walking healed today. Begin to see yourself walking in victory today. Begin to see yourself not in the situation that you're in, not in the situation that you've come through the door, but I leave today believing that I'm going to be healed. Amen. Amen. If you never do that, if you, if you don't ever do that, you're going to stay the same way. Good Lord, help me here. If you never change anything in your life, you're going to stay the same and you're going to get the same results. If you never improve your relationship with God, how can God take you to another level? Amen. If you never trust God, how can you get out there? You know what faith is? Faith is just stepping out when you don't see nothing out there. Hello, somebody. I don't understand it, God, but I don't have to. I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. I lean upon you. Hallelujah. We have to trust in an almighty God. 
And it may be that you're suffering in sickness, emotionally, physically, whatever. You've prayed every healing Bible verse that you know in the Bible, but you're still left wondering, why won't God heal me? Why won't God heal me? Maybe you've recently lost somebody to a disease. It's only natural to ask the question, why does God heal some and not others? I'm going to tell you something. Some of us need to really do some soul searching concerning the sovereignty of God and understanding God's sovereignty in our life, His plan in our life. See, God is in control, and He ultimately he knows what's best for His creations. Our job, our job, my only job He's given me is to trust Him. Trust him. I got to lean. In those situations, I got to trust him. In everything in my life, I've got to trust him. I've got to trust him. I've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Because, boy, I'm going to tell you, when my eyes is open, I can see these things out in front of me. I get a little discouraged. I got to be honest with you. I get a little. I get a little. I get a little anxiety takes a hold because I know what's out there, but I've got to trust in an Almighty God. I want the musicians to come if they will. I've got to trust in an almighty God. I've got to lean upon Him. I've got to trust in Him. I've got to trust in a God that says He cares about me. I've got to trust in a God that said He died for me. I've got to trust in a God that said He understands and knows what I'm going through every day. Now, don't you listen to me real quick, church. Monday night this past week, as I said, we had a men's meeting here, and we were all sit, seated in this little section right here. I talked to the guys that night. Brother Kyle had asked me to, to talk to the guys, and just he, he said, Brother Dan, I just want you to preach to them at the beginning of the year, just trying, to, just trying to encourage the guys and get the guys motivated, excited, all those kind of things. And, and I preached on being an able man, being somebody that's able to serve, somebody that's able to worship, an able man. Now, here's the Scripture, some of the Israel had fallen, and you know the story of Israel. They up and down all the time. But the Bible, there was a scripture there, Sister Mary, that says that, that there was a priest of that day that had not gone back. They had not backslidden. There were over a thousand of them. And they, the Bible said they, he called them able men to do the work of Christ, work of God. We talked a little bit about that, and then we prayed. Brother Kyle had us four or five names that we prayed about. It was during the prayer time that God began to move. God began to do something in me. Maybe it was just me. And he began to stir me up, Brother Larry. I mean, stir me up. I've been stirred all week. I mean, stirred up. And he said, I want you to change your message. And I want you to preach on this little woman with issue of blood. Now, when he first said that, I thought, well, okay, we're going to have a healing service. I want, I want God to do some healing. And there's people probably in the house that needs healing today. We're going to pray with you if you want prayer. I didn't say nothing to nobody. I hadn't even talked to my wife about what I'm fixing to tell you. And as, we, as I went on throughout this week, God said there's more than just a physical healing that I want to do in the house today. There's some spiritual things that need healing. There's some spiritual hurts. There's some spiritual pains people are dealing with and they deal with them day in and day out and they never get any any relief they never get victory over them one of the reasons is is because you've not sought god enough i'm just going to be open with you you've not come before him you've not let some things go that you've got to let go 
You got to let go if God's going to be able to take you to another level. You got to let go. The easiest way I can explain this is this is not and this is not a good way. We're on this fast, and so I was picking a care a while ago. I sat down there. I said, "Boy, I, I can't hardly keep my my pants and my belt up. I'm losing so much weight on this fast. Just picking with it. Whether you lose weight or whether you gain weight, here's the point." Sometimes I've got to let go of some things in order to get where I want to go. Is that okay? I've got to let go of some things in order to get where I want to go or where God wants me to go. You have to do the same thing, same thing spiritually. God put seven people on my mind as I was praying Monday and Tuesday that I'm going to use in this altar service. I want you to know up front, all of you that's here, there's many, we've got many prayer warriors and prayer team members in this, in this, in this church. I'm not, I'm, I'm not by no means. I know how the enemy works, and, and when I begin to call these names out, you may, be, you may sit there and you may think, well, why didn't he call me? I'm, I pray all the time. It ain't about that. Get that out of your mind right now. And if you want to get your little willy feelings hurt, then go ahead and get them hurt. And then get in the altar and get saved again. Because I'm telling you, I'm, just, I'm doing what God has told me to do. That's, that's it, doing what God's told me to do. And it's not, a, it's not about you, it's not about me. Matter of fact, I, I did tell Karen this. I said, Karen, I said, God put seven people on my mind. I said, but I don't even know if I'm one of them. I hadn't felt released to pray for any of you, to be honest with you. I'm just being honest with you. I hadn't felt released to do that. Now, God may release me, but Marilyn, I hadn't felt released to do that because it's not about me. It's not about, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about what he wants to do in this house. And this is what I want to do. If you have to go, you're, not, you're going to hurt my feelings. You, you just you go. But if you want to stay, if you want to be in his presence. Hmm. If you want to linger, if you want to, if you want to stay long enough to hear him. For some, that may be longer than others. We'll stay all afternoon if you want to. That's how determined I am. But God's going to do something in this house today. If you want to stay, God will touch you. God will, God will raise you up and God will strengthen you. And again, I hadn't, I hadn't told any of these people. I take that back. I've told one person. I called Sister Val Peterson. She's here today. The only reason I called her is because I knew she was in Memphis and I wanted to make sure if it was any way possible. Some of you know Sister Val, so she has a little difficult sometimes. So, Brother Terry, I want you to get her up in that chair. Get her up here right quick. You stay with her. Sister Val, I want you to come. Karen, I want you to come. I want you all to stand right here just real quick. I want you to stand. Sister Toby, I want you to come right over here. Sister Parker, I want you to come. Brian, wherever Brian is, I want you to come. Brother Larry, house, I want you to come and stand. Brother Kyle Edge, wherever you are, if you're in the balcony, I want you to come. If you all don't mind, just come right over here for right, for right, for right now. And I'm going to rearrange you in just a second. And I want the church council, if you're on the church council, I want you to come. I want you to get behind these right quick first. The church council, you get behind one of these. I want, I want us first to pray for these, right, these seven right here. One, two, three, four, five. Who am I missing? <clears throat> oh, Kyle, he's not here. The guys, the, pe the people that I called down here first, I want you to look at me just real quick. I don't know why God laid you guys on my, on my, on my heart. I, don't, I really don't know. I don't know. 
But God is going to use you, your hands, as a conduit, your prayer, your touch as a conduit to minister to people that's going to get in a prayer line. It's not about you. So I'm telling you as a pastor, if there's anything in your heart right now that doesn't belong, get it out, confess it, let's move on. Get it out. Because God needs a pure vessel that he can move through. Does that make sense? A pure vessel that he can work through. Council of this church, I want you to lay hands on those people. Church, I want you to lift your hands toward this, this group of seven people right here. Father, I ask you right now, every one of them, I ask you right now that you touch them right now. I ask God that you touch their hearts, touch their thoughts, touch their minds today. God, help them right now as they begin to pray for these that comes their way in just a little bit, oh God, that you would open their, their mouth, you would use their vessel, you would use their hands, oh God, you would use their prayers to speak peace, to speak healing upon their life today in Jesus' name. Lord, if they have anything in their life that doesn't belong, I, I, I pray, God, that you'd get rid of it in the name of Jesus. Forgive them. Forgive them whatever it is, oh God. Forgive them and let them, let them react today with you in purity today. Let them seek you and let them pray, oh God. With the pureness of heart today, oh God, we pray. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Council, I want you to stay up here, but I want you to, I want you to go off right to the side, right over here. You guys that are called, I want, y'all, I want you to back up. Uh, 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 let, me, let me have uh, Karen, I want you up here. Kyle, back up. We're going to have a little prayer line right here in the middle. I want you to face Kyle. Toby, if you will, come in front of Brian. Brother Larry, come in front of Sister, Sister Parker. Sister Val, I want you to be, I want you to be right, in, right here. Right, just just facing, face the people as they come, as they come down, Brother, Brother Terry. Give them room to come through the, the prayer line. Come back right here if you don't mind. I'm sorry. Because you're going to have to, you may have to help them come to her and counsel. That's what I want you guys to help as the people come through the prayer line to come and bring them. And, and Sister Val is going to be the last time. Uh, you just grab a hold of their hand, however, however the Lord lays it upon your heart, all right, to pray with them. They say, Brother Danny, you, you've never done anything like this. You're right, I haven't. I haven't. But this is what God has laid on my mind. I've asked, I've asked the worship team to sing this song that's sort of been our theme song throughout, throughout this fast as I give myself away. And as he sings it, they'll transition to whatever else, however long the altar service goes. But if you're here today, if, if, if you are serious about God, if, you, if you're serious about wanting God to do something in your life, I don't care what it is, especially a physical healing or an emotional healing, then I want you to come through this prayer line. Now, you don't have to. I'm not going to go out there and get you unless God tells me to. I'm not going to beg you. But if you're serious about wanting God to do something, you're just going to come. These folks... They're just they're going to lay hands on you and they're going to pray with you. You're just going to walk on through this line. And then you can go back and sit down or you can go back and stand, whatever the case may be. Okay? Does that, does that make sense? But if you want God to do something in your life today, if you want salvation even come, if you want God to do a, 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 a just a mind change upon you, I'm telling you, God is here to do something in the balcony, on this main floor. He's here. And those of you that, that's not going to come, I want you to be standing and praying and, and lift, putting your hands this direction and asking God just to do a work. Ask God to move and open our hearts up. I'm going to tell you, God is, we've been fasting for breakthrough. Today, some is going to get breakthrough today. We're going to have breakthrough today in our lives. Some of your families, you, got, you need to be put back together. You need to come as a family up here. Some of you, if you're the problem of your family, then you need to get up here. 
Hello, somebody. Let's just get real with where we are today. Let's be real with ourselves. We've lived in this facade and fake world long enough. Let's be real with God today. If you want joy, then come. If you want peace, then come. If you want God to do a new thing in your life, you need to come. I don't know what's going to take place. And guys, you have to help me here. Just, just move with the Spirit here if you don't mind. And God's going to do something. God's going to do something.